Two Locks and a Cox. From Dylan's Radio X. Welcome to episode 10 of Two Locks and a Cox with myself, Chris Bentley, the fat James Haskell of rugby, Ian Dunstan, and the Dame of the Realm, Sarah Cox. For one episode only, we have all the way from France, our special guest star, Rob Kitson, author of Around the World in 80 Minutes. Today, on the field... Rugby World Cup quarterfinals, Chiefs stumble at the Premiership kickoff. Off the field, Craig Lee, 18 years working at Chiefs and he missed his first home game. Referee selection, what it's like to make the cut, what it's like to miss the cut. And in the bin, Tier 1 and Tier 2 categories of nations. Let's get to it. Two locks and a cox. From Devon's Radio X. That was one hell of a start, wasn't it? Yeah? Oh, oh, that was a good one. No, I, no, I, that was that was really good. Well done. I First so. take on fire. Yeah. yeah, thanks, guys. Bentley's on fire. Yeah. Your defence is terrified. <laughs> oh God. Okay, so uh, look, well, let's get to it. Rob, you're in France. You're a man on the ground. Rugby World Cup fi- quarterfinals. What is the atmosphere like in France at the moment? And then let's get into these games. Well, I, I won't talk you through the motorway junction just just outside the hotel window here. Um, the, the, the sparkling med is somewhere away. But no, leaving all that aside, it's been great. I have to say, you're an absolute privilege to be in, in uh, listening to Zombie and uh, Dirty Old Town, whatever, in Ireland, all those Ireland fans in Scotland the other day, and obviously building up to the quarterfinals, which will be mega, as, you, as, you, as you're well aware. Well, uh, well, let's go with the Irish first. They have the quarterfinal curse. They've never got through a quarterfinal. The... Arguably, people are saying that they're playing a semi-final this week. Can they do it? Won't they do it? What the Irish? It, it sounds like it's almost Ireland in front, Ireland on France. <laughs> well, it does. It did feel like that. I have to say. Um, I think the difference. If clearly they got good players, we all know that. Clearly, they're they're sort of settled in how they're playing. Uh, but it's just their mindset. They just seem so comfortable within themselves, and it it sort of reminds you. You don't come across it all that often in rugby. Your teams are absolutely totally serene almost you know they've got they were into that zone um <laughs> it's never happened to me in my professional life but you but you recognize it when you see it yeah and, well, uh, uh, no, they're great i was i was talking with a scottish mate of mine and he was he was he was quite happy he was like you know what ireland were just better than us scotland played well but ireland were better and and, and I, I was i mean what do you guys think about you saw the scotland ireland game it was yeah unbelievable where, Rob, where are you basing yourself? Because, of course, we've got Marseille and we've got uh, Stade de France in Paris, haven't we? So are you uh, are you going north or, or south? <laughs> when I speak French things, I speak with French but accent. Yeah, but I'm going to Marseille tomorrow, day after tomorrow. Oh, that's why he's asked and, this question, yeah, which yeah. has no relation to it what we were just talking about. It has loads about. of relation. I want to know, because you know, obviously if, if he's north, I can be down the south. Don't don't answer this, Rob. This is this is a useless <laughs> question. We'll go back to your, your point, Chris, of what it's like with this the uh, game that was an unbelievable game to watch and for once I think we're not talking about referees we're not talking about decisions we're talking about games of rugby I think everything's settled down a little bit now and we're getting really good products of of rugby and then we can we can touch later on on the um, Fiji Portugal game because that in itself was unbelievable as well but I think what what like we say is, is we're coming into these latter stages that it's now getting really exciting for neutrals and for for the supporters of each of those teams mm, yeah I think well I mean this is this is what I'm trying to encapsulate is the excitement now because it's been lovely seeing the minnows, but I'm all about the big guns going against each other. And, and I, I want to talk about these quarterfinals. I want to talk about Ireland versus New Zealand. Ireland, with with this jinx that they've got on them, possibly. New Zealand, 
are they going to be good enough at the real furnace of a, of a mega game? Before yeah, the are world? New Zealand their Achilles heel? So the reason I was asking Rob whether it was north or south... Oh, he's back. No, no, no. <laughs> the reason I was asking Rob north or south is because I'm down south and actually, in many ways, I'd rather be up north. The two big games up north. are in Paris. Mm. The, the, the two other games that are... I mean, they're important. Of course they're important. It's England, it's our country. But the two massive games, which uh, are Ireland, New Zealand and uh, South Africa... Yeah, France. France. It, but if you talk to England, if you talk to England, they, you know, they they bridle a bit when people say people say Billy Vunipola was talking to us yesterday. He goes, well, people are talking about there's only four decent sides in the competition. Well, they, you know, I didn't. Re-, he said I wasn't aware there was just a, a table with only four seats on it. He said, and um, so I think I think I, I mean you're right. They're the two proper games, aren't they, in Paris? I, I am down south in Marseille for for the for the two games down here. Um, and but I think I think both those games as well if, if you can definitely tell me that england will beat fiji and that wales will definitely beat argentina oh, i'm to show you I, I, i'm fancying michael checker is the best coach in the world and he's been building the argentines into this tournament there's there's my tip i i think I the rgs are a real dark horse he's a great man motivator i don't know you know coaching wise i think you know he's had his ups and downs and what have you but i think motivational wise for big games he is a you're right he's a good uh, reliable man to get you up for a, for a big occasion i've just had a correction from brad the rugby god for anyone that's listening from argentina argentines not rgs awfully sorry Argentinians. 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 Oh, I, I've, I've played against Argentina twice. I called oh, yeah. them RGs. They were quite happy with you that. You went there with the counties, didn't you? Yeah, counties and the under-21s. England. Yeah. You see, you're just showing your age again. What, under-21s? I know. Yeah. It was a long time ago. And mm. calling people RGs is terrible mm. from you. But you've got four games there and you can't actually call any of them. We, we don't know. And that's what exactly what we want quarterfinals to be, isn't it? Well, no. Right, let's let's take them one game. I'm going to drag everyone back. Let's take them one game at a time. So let's look at Ireland versus New Zealand. I want to talk around that one. So I'll, I'll set the scene. New Zealand coming into the World Cup, got absolutely spanked at Twickenham by South Africa. First game, they didn't do too well. The French beat them. Since then, they've absolutely scored everyone they look on a different level Ireland are a machine they defend and attack like superstars they, they seem totally unstoppable it's an irresistible force an unmovable object they're coming together in Paris who's going to win Ireland New Zealand any inflections from anyone all three of you go <laughs> well we got Wayne Barnes in the middle for it so he's been chosen as the England representative I think we've got all English team is it all English team? Yeah, and Tom Foley in the box cool. which is a very strong team on, on the pitch and off the pitch as well so we're, we're uh, we've got some some good masters at the helm. So TV will would be fairly neutral on this one. Would that help Ireland? Uh, do you think, Sarah? I don't. I don't think it's about helping Ireland. Well, no, I think it helps the game. It's, full it's stop. interpretations because there, there is definitely the Northern Hemisphere look at the game slightly different to the Southern Hemisphere. Um, I, th- I think you've got two different scripts when it comes to to rugby in the Northern Hemisphere and the, the Southern Hemisphere. Northern is is quite clear. It's it's in our blood. It's it's you know you look at the Six Nations and things like that. Southern Hemisphere they're they're playing slightly differently, especially if you if you take the um, Australian side of stuff where they're competing with some very big sports down there. So it it is a slightly different game and it's refereed slightly differently um, as you would expect. I don't think I'd go as far as to say that that would help. Um, Ireland I think what it will do is it will help the game full stop um, and I think when you've got a strong team out there like that I think it will be you, you're almost in trusted hands um, and the, the focus comes away from, from match officials then and it goes straight on to, to the game nobody's talking about effectively oh it's Wayne Barnes 
in the middle um they're, they're actually talking about what a phenomenal game it's going to be and i think that is credit to where that team has put themselves the and kiwis will still be talking about wayne barnes because of, <laughs> oh, yeah, was it of 2007 <laughs> where, yeah they, they well this has been a thing I, I love my rugby twitter rugby twitter's been going berserk about the officials throughout and 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 there's some real butthurt supporters if their team doesn't get the the, the, the calls, rubber the green yeah they don't half get after them don't they oh i think i think it's quietened down and, and rob you probably know this a little bit more from from media side of stuff I, I don't see the referee decisions hitting the headlines quite as much as what we had in the first rounds i think it's no, I, it's calmed no, itself down isn't it there's still the consistency element isn't there that you know on, on what's a red what isn't you know when when the uh that incident in the, the fiji game wasn't it uh, Botia, uh you know got got the yellow card and i think correctly so um but but nobody's quite sure are they and i think that's that's the only yeah, thing this, this is this is the fear that this five minutes into a game someone gets their head taken off and then the referee either shirks the decision or makes the decision which either way you're like should we get into this now with the with my theory on the French uh, TMO? TMO. So. We'll, we'll do that for the second game. Do that for the second game. I want, I want to try and finish okay. Ireland, New Zealand. It's a, I think Ireland are going to win. Uh, New Zealand, they are an amazing team. You can never write them off, but Ireland look to have just that extra gear and that confidence. They've been at the top of, they've been number one in world rugby rankings for a while, and they've got a little bit of, not arrogance, but a little bit of confidence that they've earned it and, and that they're there for a reason. And that going into a game in the Northern Hemisphere, because we've also got the North versus the South there. I don't. I don't think it's arrogance, and and it maybe isn't confidence. I I think it's like a belief. I yeah, think it's I, a, it's a, it's a true a, belief. It, they just genuinely believe they're better. And, and, and well, I think it's they they genuinely. Well, they've got Andy Farrell coaching them. Yeah. I think it's proper genu- northern lad. Oh God, I think it's genuinely believing that as a unit you can conquer the world, and regardless of whether that might be win lose or or draw i think it's it's as a unit they believe that they can function as a as a team and take on anything so you're going island as well I, I, I don't know. I think you can honestly flip a penny on this and I, I don't know which way it's going to go, but I know that I, I think everybody's going to be glued to the screen and being like, this is going to be a phenomenal game of rugby. And that's what we're all looking for out of See, this World the Cup. The other thing is as well, the, the Irish attack pattern is runners in front of the ball, Sexton on the wraparound. Like the first try that they scored on, on Saturday, uh, Tag Burn ran a blocking line and he did, there was material effect. I would say there was material effect. It could have been a callback, and and on these small these small oh, moments, God, games can be decided. Aren't you? Well, it, well, but but Ireland do it so they do it so well, and they also cheat. They they, they work round on the ruck defence. They stay in just long enough to slow the ball down, but not long enough to get the decision. But is that made. not rugby? It is. But if Barnes decides to just call a few bits, and the Irish and the demons start to come in, we've never made it past the quarter final European no, no. European final. We were winning by seventeen points, and it all went wrong. Could they cave in under that bit of pressure? What's your call then, Rob? What's Rob's call? Well, I, I, I just having watched them lose. This is New Zealand, sorry. Having watched them lose to South Africa and France in the last what, you know, since the end of August, uh, you've got to say you, you know, you're in the position. You've got to concoct a case for how or why maybe New Zealand could win. You know, which how often have we had to do that in the past you know, normally they've been favourites this is what I was saying I'm trying to concoct the case that if a few decisions I think if, if Ireland get through the first 20 minutes without anything mega happening they win the game comfortably 
But if, mm. if, if there's a couple of things that just disrupt the, and allows that chink, that, that little bit of water to get in and start to separate, they could be in... I don't think it will. And I, I think this goes back to them and their belief. It doesn't matter what you want to throw at us, we will have an answer for you. And I think that's where potentially Ireland are at the moment. And if you, if you are disrupted by one, one referee decision, then can you say that, that you've got all your watertight seals and you know but, but, you're in the knockout stages. This, this is the knockout stages of the Rugby Correct. World Cup. This is this is the high altitude. This is where it happens. And I, I'll be honest, I feel a bit upset that we're talking about this and everybody's talking about this and saying that Ireland are going to beat New Zealand. I used to love the All Blacks when they were invincible. Yeah, but it's time. It's time for it's time for new kids on the block. It's bit time of, for movement. Some emeralds. That's what we and, need up there. Some but you, you and just, need just this. as a hypothetical, just as a hypothetical, if it was Ireland playing against um, the French, I think the French would beat the Irish. But I think because it's Ireland, New Zealand, I'm going to say Ireland. Yeah, but you've got you've got different different um, sort of like stakeholders involved. You've got different pressures on the outside. It's the French World Cup. It's in the middle of, of France. Like that's that's different. That's different gravy. I don't know if you've ever played in front of a, a French crowd, but that I have. Is yes, something Sarah, I played in the top fourteen. <laughs> Have you really? Yeah. You play for Biritz. <laughs> play for Biritz. Play for oh, of course Montpellier. you do. Thanks. Yeah, when you got fat on croissants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this story. <laughs> when you yeah. went down the bakery every morning. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only reason you were was, in France. I was on the bench and the, used and they to put carry the crop on ahead of me. Serge Betson's water bottle, didn't you? I did, yeah. I used to hold his hand. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really, Coxie, I've got you on toast. Oh, no, that was but, um, Rob, that's another podcast. Uh, Rob, Island, New Zealand, your, your final inflections on uh, that one. Well, in a nutshell, uh, Ireland have won 17 test matches in a row and you'd be, a, I think, a foolish man to bet against them making it 18 because they're just on a, they are on a roll. But yeah, I think I think it'd be tighter than, than you know necessarily people think, but I think Ireland. OK, right, let's move on to the next one. South Africa, France. Anyone want to take the mic? France. Are you going straight in there? Yeah, why not? You isn't can't. It, but isn't it, isn't it... It's going to be the quarterfinals of the World Cup and either the... the These host, are two finals. The host nation... <laughs> Or the current world champions are going home. Unbelievable. So South Africa are going to start. They're going to win the first half, and then Dupont's going to come on in the second half with his um, like Phantom, Phantom of the, of the opera, opera mask. Uh, and has he's... he got a mask? There's is a, he wearing a, a mask? There's a video of France no. training this morning, and they're passing along the line, and he knocks into someone and absolutely levels him. To, from, it, it, from... It, it's amazing. They were they were saying. I'm talking to a couple of the French journalists out here, and they said the, the minute it happened, he's going. Yeah, oh no! I'll be back next, you know, as soon as possible. He, he's made he's made of slightly different stuff, I think, to most people, as we you could probably imagine. But no, I but think he's the um, character think as well, isn't he? Is 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 sort of otherworldly tweets that he puts out with just like he just extols like, oh, it's a nice day today, and he's like stood on a balcony with a mega view or something. <laughs> He's 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 a yeah. bit he's a bit peculiar. He put no effort into growing up at all, did he? So he's done all the effort in the other stuff. Oh, wow. What are you oh, it's Ian with his height about? jokes. Ian loves a height oh, joke. God. I think going back to the rugby, I think the, um, I, I mean, you have to say South Africa clearly are they're a good side and they know what they're doing. But I, I just think, if you think about the crowd, the Stade de France, if France were to lose a quarter final, I just, I just can't see them losing in the Stade de France given that atmosphere that's going to be there. Um, and yes, yeah, South Africa are a formidable side, but I, yeah. I'm not sure they've been picking the right team personally. I'd be picking a, if they picked a slightly more you know, Esther Hazen and, and Moody, who played so well at Twickenham in, again in August, 
I'm not sure they've gone for the defensive. They've gone for the, the rigid defence, which is obviously fine and in their DNA. But I'm not sure against France. I think you need something a bit more. I, I see. I'm going to disagree because I'm a massive second row, and I think that France going with they're going to go with Wacky and Flamant are going to struggle against a, a huge pack of massive men that are going to brutalise them. And then on 50 minutes, another load of massive men are going to brutalise them. And I don't know if the French are going to handle the physicality of the South Africans. South Africa are going to get a red card. Oh wow, that's oh, a big statement. Yes, so the French television so match official will be looking at everything. Right, okay, yes. right. Let, yes, right. Let, let, that is a hot take, Ian Dunstan, and right. I like that a lot. Stop shouting. Let's let's be very clear. Right, there's not a French TMO in there. Who's no. doing? No, no. The, the let's French, be the very French, clear. Sorry, the French the French television director will be looking at every bit of play, and we've we've spoken about this in earlier pods. How sometimes like Austin Healy will spot something. You know, Austin, please don't tell us about that. We just want to watch the rugby. But the, the French <laughs> official will be is like, "Is that what you say to him?" The, is it the, the French? Yes, I do. The French director will be like watching the play, and he'll be like, "Oh, there's a there's a rook clear out taking place there. You need to look at that." And they'll they'll, they'll be will... putting it on the replays, and then the Stade de France crowd look will hear it, and they'll all go, "Oh!" And then it'll be like, "We have to look at this." And then and they look at it and they analyse it and um, Evan Estabeth gets sent off. For this is home advantage though. This is being in a French stadium having French TV directors. Oh, that, that. Just See. the same as it going down into Australia New Zealand is the same. That home advantage, it's made up of lots of little things. See, Kitson, you said it in a much nicer way but Ian and I have said it in a totally politically incorrect <laughs> fashion but I'm suddenly, I've, I've changed my mind. That's because Rob's a gentleman and we're barbaric. Yeah, I've ch- well, I've... No, no, I just want to wait one more point to the to the big second rows. Um, that you you also got to kick your goals, and France got the two best goal kickers in the tournament. Pretty very much. good point. Yes. Uh, so I think when it comes to it, I, th- I think you might find that they have a bit of an influence as well. They're going to be yeah, because if they if they go anti-French, very pragmatic, just kick their points and. Yeah. Yeah, go on then. I'm, 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 I'm with Ian. I think there's going to be a yellow. There's going to be. A, a, I'm going red. I'm going full red. I'm, I'm going that the French director will get such an angle. Not the yeah, the French director is the French director. Yes, Not the French Timo. The yeah. French TV director. It's like the the picture you got of Prince William. He's holding his hand up, and the photographer takes it from the side, mm. and it looks like he's doing the bird. Yeah. And he's not, he's holding a hand up. The French director will get such an angle. And then he says, can I have another angle? And they'll do another slight angle, be also bad. Can I have an angle where I can't see it? No, we're mm. not going to play that one. No, so see, this is this is where you've got a little bit of a disconnect. Right. Never let the truth get on. in the way of a yeah, good story. Okay, yeah, this is what's happening here. Um, you've got layers now. It's not like you've got one TMO and you're all talking through it right there and then. We now have the bunker. And what the, the system, as I understand it, is Is they that- all wear full kit? No, they don't. Definitely not. (laughs) Definitely not. We've been through that, but no, definitely not. Um, So as I understand the setup at the moment, you've got the director that does his piece and all the things that are happening with with TV and what have you. On a separate system, um, through Hawkeye, I think it is, they are sat with a TMO and a EVS operator is what they're called. And effectively they're controlling separate angles. So they've got access to all the angles that are available and it's controlled completely separately. So they're, they're looking. So Ian would be the TMO. He's having a look saying, I want to look at this. And then the EVS operator is doing something separate. Mm-hmm. Then the only time that these guys connect up as I understand it, is when it goes formal. Mm. So when the referee draws their box and says, we're going up to the screen, put it on the screen, that's when the two of them link together and say, right, Hawkeye then take over and put the shots on the screen. And that's what you see is what the TMO has been looking at. So I get your point around 
French directors finding but, but, angles and things, but there's a separate system that's being used. But, but this is the curveball. We're in France. It's the Rugby World Cup. Now, if it was in England, there's no way you're going to get a road director showing someone tackling Owen Farrell badly, but we're in France. And on the big screen of the Stade de France, there's a ruck clear out that's a bit suspect. There's a break in play. They bang it on the screen. The crowd go berserk. And suddenly we have to have a look at it. And nearly every breakdown is illegal. Yeah, but then, then you turn around and you say, OK, well, you, you, you right. get to a position where you've got to look at it and you've then got a bunker system. Yeah. So they'll put it into the bunker and the bunker have got access to all of the angles. Mm-hmm. And that's not directed by okay. the producer. So then they've got the ability to look at things in a different way. That's the second layer that has been different to what has happened in previous games and in internationals where you might be getting your information Okay, from. so, so you've, you, you, you've said your thing, we've said ours. I'm, I've, I've changed my mind entirely. France are going to win. Ian, who's winning? France. Coxie, who's winning? The game of rugby. No, who's going to win the game? Come on, Cox. I've no idea. Honestly, oh, again, no, 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 but these so, two, So, so the first game you're happy to call this one? No, no, I haven't call. called the first game. You did? You said I said Ireland. it's on a flip and a fanny. No, I didn't say Ireland. Oh, Get your God. facts right. I, I am saying that out of the two of these, these I are... I work for World Rugby and I can't be seen... <laughs> Vanilla Cox. I cannot have a bias. No, it's <laughs> Monica, thank you. <laughs> we may as well not had you on this one, Cox. <laughs> Have an opinion. Rude. Rude. No, I don't. I, I want to watch both of them. So, and so I want Rugby's to see the winner. All the, right, that's great. Kitson, who's going to win that I'll, game? I'll, I'll go I'll go France. I'll, I'll get out of the ice cream van and go France. Right, thank you. So, <laughs> so, so at the moment, we've got France are going through and Ireland are going through. Right. Now, this is this is the, this is the most difficult game for me to call because I, my name is Christopher Llewellyn Evans and oh, I've been yeah. back in the Welsh from the off. But I've, I've come round to the opinion that I think Cheka has played an absolute blinder hasn't shown his hand, hasn't needed to show his hand, has, has undercooked the Argies and the, the Argentines, the Argentinian, the people of Argentina, and they are building into this tournament very nicely. They're going to come against the Welsh who've just lost their their, their go forward uh, in Falatau. They've got a bit of an issue with with um, Dan Bigger with his with his pectoral, who I think they'll put back in, and I think they'll, they'll be running down his channel like nobody's business. And I think the Argentines are going to beat the Welsh. Somebody proved me wrong. Uh, I disagree. I think I think Argentina are, are tired. They've gone from uh, playing so much rugby. They've got this far, and the Welshies. If we could have called them, what you no, never called them. The Welsh. Do that. Right. So the Welsh are um, uh, the Welsh have sort of got themselves together. They had a really poor Six Nations. They've stepped up. They've called up a number of players, which is great. We've got uh, the South African Yako paper in the middle, um, uh, and I, I think that Wales are going to step up and they're going to beat Argentina just because Argentina are tired. That's a good point. I, I think it's interesting if you you know going back to Chris's point about Michael Checker, you, you, you're forgetting about some bloke called Warren Gatland, who, whose knockout record is unbelievable um, in the in these big games, and, and I think he's playing a blinder as well. I think he's sort of stitched yeah, together. I think he's given them belief. I think they're fit. I think their defence is is excellent. Uh, Mike Forshaw. Uh, Another yeah, tough no, Northern lad. I, 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 having seen Argentina, I know Argentina. I know that first game against England, they were just unaccountably bad. It was almost I don't know something clearly gone wrong there. Um, or maybe something gone right, Rob. Maybe it was it was all part of the plan. Because <laughs> we, 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 I'm fancying whoever whoever wins this one could go through to the final, and we'll, we'll talk about why I think that in a moment. Do you, do you really think? Mm. Do you really like? And this is a genuine question. Mm. Do you really think that you'd go out and play like that in that England game? How, how when you have got a team full of 
really competitive people that are the best in the world in their country, how do you go out and say, go and play like that I think and the prepar- don't I think the pre- show our hand? I think the preparation in the match week could have been deliberately bad. As a coach, I think he could have deliberately done it and then he's owned it, said, yeah, I got that wrong. Don't worry, we've got more games to play. And so he owns but it. Do you not risk losing the players doing that? I think if I, he, I like the theory. I like the theory. Yeah, I'm, look, he, I'm he, going with he it. Was, he was cross. He was very cross. Check well, of course, right he'd right have right. to. He'd have to show that he was cross. <laughs> this is look. I'm I'm double bluffing. I'm going right down You're with right it. Right, cynic. Today, he, he was cross, but he was grateful he wasn't still coach of Australia. <laughs> yes, with a bit of that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Right. Wow. So, so Argentina Wales. Who's going to win the game? Ian. Wales. Robert Kitson. Wales. I'm going to say Argentina against my. I, I might. I You're might. Going against I might your well be saying this side. because I don't want to jinx my home side. If I if I back to my home side, then I could be jinxing them by saying this. But I also think whoever wins this, because I, I agree. I think the work that Gatland's done. If you look at how he came into the position with Wales, and they've been unreal and very easy to support. And we go on to England in a moment. Um, Borthwick came in with a similar time with nowhere near the experience of Gatland and England have just No, no, that's different because Gatland's come around on the second. So he's been on round. The second, he's been round already. Okay. That's that's a different It's not his first rodeo, is no, it? No, it is not. But but no. but also the way he did it, like England announced their squad early, so the lads knew they were protected. The Welsh was like, I only know four names. Like right up until the, the tournament, so everybody was hungry, everybody was fighting, he created a much better environment. That's all you need, Jones and Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Yes. Uh, just the one thing to add: the the, the Pumas haven't got uh, their best player. Pablo Matera is not playing, uh, so that's going to be a big loss for them. Yeah, but they got Lavanini, who looks like an Argentinian version of me. <laughs> yes, he does. He's also <laughs> he's also just as clumsy, and also I believe he's the most, the most, the most yellow, yellow carded, carded player in world rugby. Yeah. yeah, I got five in my first season with Chiefs. Uh, wow! All for being rubbish at fighting. I the referee was like, "You're so bad at fighting. Get off this field." <laughs> wow! God. You, you, yeah, but I think I think Lavanini's got a little bit more speed than you have. You, yeah, you were a bit, of, you were a bit of a shyer horse, one pace, but could keep going forever. Correct. Right, let's move on. England, Fiji. Um, what do you think, Chris? I, I think England, and I've said this previously. They just don't. They're stubborn. They're just so stubborn, and 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 they don't. They're going to be very, very difficult to beat. And th- th- there's been the, the whisper that's come in that the Fijians possibly do have some fatigue of being in camp for so long, and they might, and that, that might be showing. Whereas the the English are really stubborn. They're playing a very limited game plan. They know exactly what they're doing. They're going to stay close to you until the last five to ten minutes, and then they're going to win. Yeah, yeah, I can see where you've gone with that. I think like I think World Cups come down to whether you can last the duration of it. And they're, they're very difficult. They're, they, you're out there for eight, nine, ten weeks at times and you're in a very confined space. You're in a very different world. It's not real. It's not a real world. It's, it's, it's really strange to, to describe. Um, but if you can last that and you can come out the other side of that as a unit and still everyone get along and nothing's really happened, then you're, you're, you're in a good place. But it's not just about the rugby when it comes to the World Cups. It's about being able to stay in that bubble and being able to to stay as a unit 
and and get out the other side of that. And well, I, I but think this, that's... this is one of the this, and we're going to talk about tier one and tier two. One of the big benefits for tier one is you take your nutritionist, so your food is changing. You're not just having the food that the hotel cooks, and yep. and you've got people that are organising logistics outside, so you're getting and doing adventures and what have you. So it stays for because monkeys in a zoo, you, you've got to change the environment, otherwise players are going to struggle. Yeah, and even down to haircuts. Like it's, it sounds strange, but you you know you you go in, you need a haircut. Well, you've got to you you can't just wander around at times because you've got such a packed schedules. And when you're day off, you you want to be able to relax and you want to be able to go and do something that you want to do to rest up. So, again, it's it's about putting those things in place. And and you, you're right, like there there are some nations that have a little bit more money to be able to do things like that and get nutritionists in. So, so the so experts on haircuts, me and Rob, Rob, what do you think? Well, I, I must say, I've been getting it wrong all these years. If I'd spent two days of the week looking for a haircut, I'd be life would be, you know, magnificent. I, I think the um, I do think it's interesting though. I think it's a massive, massive game for England if they if they win. As you say, they're in the semi-finals. Everything looks great. You know, you can put a positive sheen on the on all the other stuff that we all know about. If they lose, you go out to Fiji. You've lost twice to Fiji. You should have lost to Samoa. You know, you've got serious problems to sort of address, haven't you? Uh, so I think it's a massive game. I, I th- there are a couple of worrying signs out here. There's, somebody spotted just last night, a, they, they came across a rat outside the hotel where they reckon it was the size of a Jack Russell. Um, and so, so there's, there's things down here that you don't always go as you expect. And I just think Samoa, uh, Samoa F- Fiji will be... I think they'll be right up for it. A lot of their guys, not all their guys, played um, against uh, the, the other night against Portugal. Um, so I think they'll be a little bit fresh in England, funny enough. No, I, I heard a really good quote about the Fijians that they do all the difficult things easily and they do the, the easy things difficult. And, and I think that I think Fiji could cause England a real headache. I'm going to say that I think I think people were saying that the Fijians were fatigued. I I think that they just thought, you know what? We know we we just got to get one point out of Portugal. We're going to do that, and they sort of went a bit they went a bit half cock and got found out. But then yeah. Patrice Lejiske, he's one other coach. He he signed me 20 years ago. Yeah. He, he, he can spot <laughs> talent. Pods on the truck. He you spots talent that. when he sees it. Look, I, I know what you're saying. Both sides were already through. They'd already um, uh, they got through to the draw. So it was hard for England. It was hard for Fiji to actually really put up their absolute best because that's in the back of your mind. You're not quite got that fighting spirit. You know that rat trapped in the corner. Uh, but I think England are going to come through with it. Um, firmly believe that as uh, as an English. If, Rob's caught. If England lose this, then it is absolute dire straits for the union. If if they if they win it, they're into the World Cup semi final. Everyone can sit back and say we're World Cup semi finalists with you know new coach coming in. Blah blah blah. The, and the, the fine margins of this game are so fine. It's not dire straits though, is it? Because they'll say, look, we didn't get this right, and this is why we've launched this 128 million for these 20 central contracts. <laughs> so they've already got that as their scapegoat for it to say that we're going to get it better no, next time. No, no, the chief exec's got to go. I'm calling it. Coxie's now going to have to wither in the corner. But <laughs> if, if, if England cannot get past Fiji and they've lost to Fiji twice in the space of a couple of months, unfortunately, with, with all of the might of the English Union, that's terrible. Well, big statement from you. And, well, the, 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 and the main talking point let's, for England, the selection: how are you going? How are you going? Your ten twelve axis. What are you doing? Are you, are you throwing? Are you throwing Farrell in? Are you chucking Ford in? Are you putting them both together uh, against the Fijian midfield, which is very impressive? That's a big question, Rob. Rob Kitson. Well, you can't. I don't think you can persist with that Ford Farrell ten twelve thing against Fiji. I just don't think it's. They gonna... played so well four years ago, though, Rob. 
I know, I know, but I, I just, I, I mean, they, I, you know, every indication is they're going to stick with Owen Farrell. He's the captain. You know, they've made that decision before they left home. You know, I don't think they feel they can change that now, despite the, the evidence, perhaps, to the contrary. But despite uh, the fact that Ford, when he, when, when Ford plays at ten without the shadow of Farrell, he's brilliant. Yeah, but yeah. not no, when he's got. Thesis, there's a whole thesis to be written about, you know, Alpha Males and Owen Farrell and and, and his sort of, you know, warrior uh, mentality and, the, and the, the the positive things he can bring. But it doesn't always, I don't think, bring the best out of everybody around. Can Ford stop these massive Fijians running down his channel, though? He's not going to have to. He's on the bench. Well, that's yeah. what we're saying. And, yeah, but that's that's what I mean. The, the, if you the start only, with the Ford. only other thing for me as well that that England and and I think that it's I'm I'm hopeful that it's going to be the final dance. I think Courtney Laws is going to be hugely important at line out time. And I think if if England play their percentage rugby, they put the pressure on the Fijians, put them in the corners. If Courtney Laws does what he can do, rolls back the ears, has a, has a virtuoso performance, especially in line out D, and just takes them apart, and the Fijians don't have the ball, and then they try and play like Fiji as they did against Portugal, and England pick them off. There you go. That's how it's going to go. England win comfortably by playing dull. So I'm saying England. You're saying England, Rob. Uh, I'm going slippery ball, very tense. England because they're stubborn, as you said at the start. Yeah, but it's and 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 then this is the thing that we can talk into the later rounds. But England emotionally haven't had to invest a huge amount to get to where they've got to. Whereas you look at Ireland, they've had a gargantuan game against South Africa. They've put a big performance in against Scotland. They're going to have to do a big performance against New Zealand. They've had three huge, and and this is this is your boxers where they're not the same after that fight. Whereas England haven't had it, and they're so stubborn, they're so pig-headed. And you think that England could yet force their way all the way through. This, this is what's so exciting about it. The, the, the permutations there in every which way. It's really cool, but we've chosen four Northern Hemisphere teams. We have, haven't we? Yeah, that's interesting. That That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. But that, yeah. But that's, what's the, that's not a problem. That's, that reflects all sorts of things, doesn't it? And I, I, I think there's a... I think there is a chance of that, you know, give or take, uh, you know... Well, the, 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 the one that pops in. The tectonic plates of rugby are shifting. And previously the Southern Hemisphere had all the might and now mainly bankrolled by France, the Northern Hemisphere is, is dragging itself up. But that really excites me. Going to both those games, I'm going to be cheering on Wales and then England. Are you going to both? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Bloody hell, money bags. And then I'm staying hey. out there for the week. I, I don't know where I'm staying In yet. his caravan. I'm, no, I'm not taking my caravan. With I'm just going to... With his Skylink. You'll have someone drive his caravan <laughs> for him. Yeah, the butler might. I'm, so, no, I'm, I haven't got a butler. No, Coxie has. Yeah. He's an MBE. Dame so, of the realm. I've just decided I'm going to stay out there for a few days. I might go to Nice and... Oh, Nice is beautiful. I've been. I was there the other day. Yeah. Oh, I could paddle my canoe that I didn't take to Jersey. I've got a very good story about Nice you that I'll tell you off there. With my my friend Joe Hammond. Right, let's go to matters at hand. Extra Chiefs. Um, they they went with a pretty much a gun team to Bath. Bath put the Premiership team out against them, and Chiefs got beat. It was tight, though, from what I understood. There was sort of handling errors the Chiefs made, which were unlike them, and Bath jumped on them like any good Prem team should do. So I don't think they're that worried about it, stepping into this week with Saracens. They're big changes. They're just going to need to stiffen things up That when they've got defence that are harder and in their face that they can't make these handling errors. OK, well, I, I, look, the Rugby World Cup is the big thing, but but the Exeter Chiefs motto is Semper Fidelis, always faithful. If you're listening to this and you like the Exeter Chiefs, get down to Sandy Park on Saturday. They, they really could do with everybody's support. It's, it's, it's a monumental game. It's Saracens. It's the first game in the Prem. It's this new team that, that Baxter's putting together. And I think everybody that, that, that supports the Chiefs through the good times needs to support them through the tough times and, and people need to be there. Happy, are we happy to call it that and move on from there? I'm a plus one on that, definitely. Sarah? Yeah, 
we might be worth a, a mention of the the cricket score in the Bristol game though. Poor old Cambridge, they got well, I think it was about ninety eight points put on them. Well, they've moved. Yeah, they've moved up from level three and they're playing a full gun Premiership yeah, team. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's it's a little bit like there's the the gulf and the gap between those those types of of leagues, if you like, um, and the way in which they're being played is that you put the the guys that have just come up from from um, national leagues into championship that's hard enough and then you put them against a semi full bristol side it's yeah it's pretty brutal mm. it's a tough proven ground moving on off the field i've mentioned it already but um there was extra cheese I've, I've said about the semper fidelis and the motto of the club there's a chap called craig lee who i worked with for quite a period of time 18 years he worked at every home game for the extra chiefs and the last home game he missed he still went he was at london scottish but he didn't actually work and i want to say publicly craig lee possibly the, the greatest performer for the extra chiefs off the field that there has been um tip of the cap to you sir we had a few beers in the members bar it went very well after the game yeah but he didn't stop doing what craig lee does he was still helping the, the band get their stuff and i was like craig you're off stop working but there you go um, and, and, and incidentally I also have to quick shout out for Malcolm and Joe Baker uh, I was at the game as, as, as their guest and had a whale of a time in the 1905 club Malcolm and Joe were currently I think they're jetting around France watching all of the World Cup they were at the golf I think they were watching the oh they went to the Ryder Cup didn't the they Ryder Cup yeah different level those guys um, but that's what you can do so anyway referee selection Coxie it's coming back to you now we've seen four referees have been given the nod for the quarterfinals what I'd like to know is how the process of referee selection goes um, what it's like when you make the cut, what it's like when you miss the cut, um, and also are these four referees then going to become two for the semis and one for the final, depending on who gets through, or is Devon's own Luke Pierce going to get the nod because he's, <laughs> he's got the semi? You tell us. Christ, there was a lot of questions in one there, Chris. Um, so looking at selection stuff, I don't know how they did it um, with these guys, um, but I know from personal experience of how it's done. Um, you You sort of sit in a meeting room, and your manager stands at the front and, and says, right, these are the selections that we've done. We believe that, that this is the best for the game and for the people. And uh, these are the people that are going through to, to the quarterfinals and be refereeing the quarterfinals. <laughs> Sorry, I had it once. I was, I was playing for Oral and uh, Sammy Southern called me and went, Chris, you've not been dropped, you've just been deselected. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? It means you've been means you've been dropped in Northern. I know, I know. Deselected. So I, I really like Luke. I think he's had a really good refereeing, but Wayne's obviously been chosen after him. Is that because Wayne's been playing the uh, the card that he's been given, as in he's he's been doing exactly what he's been told and Luke's gone maybe slightly off-piste? I, I don't know about that. I, I think you, you've got to look at, at what games you've got in front of you and you've got to look at the referees that you've got and the experience. Now, undoubtedly, and we all know this, Wayne Barnes has got the most caps of all time. And with that brings a lot of experience and a lot of trust. And the same with the other guys that are, that are in there as well. There are a lot of experience in there and it's a lot of trust that they, they put in those. Um, and you want the best for the game. So I think you, you go with your, your potentially your four strongest referees and this is probably what that looks like. Um, I don't know. I don't know what, what conversations are having in the background. Do you do you as referees talk amongst each other and sort of say, well, like, so, so the four that have made it are the ones on the outside. They're going, well, those four are obviously going to be due. Or, or are they going, well, maybe when we get the semi-final? 
I, I think there's there's a mix of emotions. Um, and again, we go back to being in a bubble and not in the real world, if you like, around World Cups. It's very difficult because you spend a lot of time together and you can overthink a lot of things. It comes down to whatever will happen will happen, regardless of what you do from this point onwards. Control the controllables, mate. It, it, no, and, and honestly, it does come down to that. And I hate that saying. And I hate that, you know, that's people's sort of backup of, well, well, just control what you can control. I think that's an easy way out in some respects but it does absolutely come down to that it is control what you can control you can control the way that you you train the way you interact with people the way you support people and you've got to think as well as the, the guys that, that effectively you'd look at as have missed out on that are then effectively running touch for for those people in the middle and so you've get this weird paradox of i wanted to be there but i've not been selected for it but i've now got to support the person that is there oh just as a completely ridiculous aside, stash. So the players, when they play, they get their full test match stash for the game. As referees, do you get new kit every game? No. No, you get given a set of four kit right at the start. And oh. that's it. So it's not like you don't have the sublimation? No. Like, oh, like the only time Tonga that versus Italy or no, whatever, No, maybe. no, no. Oh, oh, God, I'd love that. Uh, no, you... Um, you only get that if you're the final referee. They'll embroider maybe on the sleeve or or on the. the and breast. then there's another ridiculous question. Like at Wimbledon, the, the the male and female winner, they have to dance together. As you and Wayne Barnes is like the most capped officials of all time. Do you not have to do official functions together? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wayne will do what Polly tells him to because she is so good on Twitter, she's isn't fantastic. she? She's, she's brilliant. She's got she's such hilarious. a wicked sense of humour. She I has, love it. yeah. She's hilarious. Um, yeah. So, so selection stuff. You, you, you then have to switch roles. So when you don't get selected and you're then selected in in a different role, you you have to switch on then um, because you've got to support the people that are in the middle um, and. It, you know, you you have your your moment of disappointment because you're you're a competitive being at the end of the day, and it's the same for for teams and and players in and around squads. You you want to be selected, you want to be in the first team, but if you're not, it's then how you how you support the team and how you bring those people up, um, and that becomes a pivotal and very vital role because you have a smaller team so you can't get lost in sort of pods of of people you're you're there there's 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 very few of you if you like um so you have to make sure that that you're being the best version of you to to help those people that are about to go okay. out and do the Do you then get support though because like Andrew Brace is out uh, and there were so many decisions that he made in the England game that I really didn't like but I know he was doing what he was told so at no fault of his own he's out does he then get support to sort of go right that's it or um, I, I don't know. Like, like that's your your opinion of what he's been told to do. We we don't know because we're not a party to those conversations. But at the end of the day, they've made those selections and they've got a team of managers in there making selections based on on what's happening in that World Cup. So when when you do miss out again, it just goes back to that fact. So if you've got to switch roles now and you've got to switch on to to what role you have been given, um, regardless of where you wanted to be. Um, and and that that then comes down to Coxie, you're towing the party line well. No, I'm, if, no, if, I'm not. If the RFU I'm just, spies are tuning in, they're going. No, Coxie's done well. we'll no, give no, her the I'm just. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you because I've been in that position. I've been in the position where I've missed out on something that I was gunning for, and you you can't sit there. You you become then the bad apple that that rottens the the pack, and that's not what you're there to do. You have to support the people that go out there, and you have to be the best version <laughs> you, of you. you. When you run in touch and you see something happening, I'm not going to say. Anything. Yeah, well, how should he that be? 
You can't Barnsley, do that. you should have got that. Dear me. No, exactly. You can't do that because at the end of the day, then it brings all the focus back on to, to the match officials, which we're yeah. not trying to do. I have been in that position and I know you think I'm towing party lines. I'm not. I'm telling you. That's what it feels like. Oh, and you've I just got like to it when you get it emotional. It's good. I know, Rob. In your in your briefs that you get, because of course we know we're not uh, good enough to get into those things. Do, 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 is it much about the officials? Is it all about the teams and and the the, the logistics of things? Or no, I think. I mean, I think I, it's it, very interesting listening, you know, to to the discussion. I mean, from the outside, you know, we all of us want officials to be better supported and and you know that the all the rubbish that's on social media none of us want to see and hear that sort of thing equally i you know you do begin to you know you it's a very complicated situation isn't it i, I personally think the bunker adds another too many layers of, of extra stuff that, that that you have to sort of work your way through i, I think there's a danger over complicating it but yeah no we we know we, we do i think i think yes of the Referee appointments for the quarterfinals are big news, you know, because they, they they not because certain individuals might shape certain games, but because yeah, it is it is a sign of who they really rate. I mean, I must say, you know, Luke's um, unlucky. I think you know, Nico isn't it from Georgia, who's who's who's, who's really good as well. You know, I think there's some, I think I think there are some good referees, and uh, long may it continue. No, but that that was my feeling is perhaps Luke and Nico were being saved for the semis um, because the, the the officials were that good. But uh, what do we know anyway? Let's move on. In the bin. Um, the, the tier one and tier two nations, I, I sometimes refer to minnow nations, which is totally politically incorrect, but it, it's probably a better way of doing it because they're just not getting the funding that the, the, the tier one nations are getting. Rob, you've written a nice piece about this recently. I want to give you the microphone and say, tell us more about tier one and tier two nations, how we can scrap it and make it better. Well, you, you absolutely don't want that language, do you? But you've got then you've got to pick a, an alternative word. Uh, so I, I tend to go for smaller at the moment. Smaller, I think, is a better phrase for someone like Portugal. Portugal would be just fantastic. What a what an adornment they've been to this tournament. You know, as have Uruguay, as have you know here and there uh, Portugal. As I say, um, well, Fiji. I think well, you know, we can't call them small a small nation anymore in any in any respect. But yeah, no, it's so important that the next the next step, and if there is this new nations championship is coming in for people who will know, there's there's a sort of top tier and a, a secondary tier, but no relegation. Uh, promotion between the two before 2030 at the earliest and, and 2030 you know you think well that's seven years from now if you're a young kid <laughs> you know let's say you're a teenager in Portugal now well you'll be pretty much mid-20s before even there's a sniff of of, of playing uh, against bigger sides. so yeah but cut a long story short they need more fixtures but they also need help just in that in the four years in between you know building domestic structures and the like so it's it's possible where there's a will there's a way but this is the challenge, and it's the ugly truth of rugby union: is that there isn't there's enough money in rugby union. There's just not enough for the rich people, and it's very difficult for the the, the develop the, the the smaller nations to come through. Because the truth of the matter is, if England play Portugal at Twickenham, you might get thirty thousand people. But if England play an established nation, uh, South Africa, well, they've already announced the three November internationals. They'll sell Twickenham out, and that that is then the cash cow that ultimately feeds everybody else. Chris, if if Portugal play England in Lisbon. They'd sell sixty thousand, won't they? Um, and they'd be, they're absolutely mad for it in Portugal at the moment. Um, and and so I think it's, you know, and, and you don't have to play it at Twickenham, do you? You could blow and go and play it in, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a smaller stadium, let's say Bristol, you know, and they, that would be packed out. Um, so and I think there's a lack of imagination sometimes. You know, they are if you just think about filling Twickenham. Well, that's a 
that's a sort of binary thing, isn't it? You've got a bit. They've got to be think more um, holistically. I think you're only as good as your weakest opponent in the end, and that's where that's rugby's big problem at the moment. Yeah, because the Ospreys are going to play one of their games against one of the South African sides at the Stoop this year. They've decided mm. that they won't get the crowd they need to. There's a lot of South Africans in London, so they're going to play at the Stoop to, to fill the stadium. So that's a great idea. Um, but could, but well, could this be a, an argument for for, for the reignite, reignition of the the A teams, for example? Because England. The, the, the problem is, if you're a Premiership rugby club and you've got five players in the England squad, and then they're going to go and play a game against Portugal in Lisbon, you go, "Well, I don't want my players playing that game." What happened to the Saxons? Well, I mean, that was that was money for a bit. They're back now, I think. Just sort of, you know, in theory, there there is talk of them being, you know, resuscitated. I think, I think, to be honest, you you expand the you know, the under twenties would be one of the first things you do. You go, well, "Why should we have a?" A Six Nations under twenty it doesn't have to be just the Six Nations. You could have two pools and and, and invite Spain and Portugal so into that. Perhaps that could be the the realm by which they could they could experiment with it. Because I've seen Mark Evans again. I love Mark Evans. He's he's been explaining how it's it's not just as simple as promotion and relegation out of the Six Nations no. for the seniors, but perhaps for the juniors they could do that and and trial it and try and make it grow in that capacity. Yeah, I think I, I think there's lots of things they could do, and I think as I say that the. The domestic leagues. Where where does the, your top Portuguese players? You know where are they going to play? You know they're going to play maybe in the French league. It's you know geographically uh, maybe, you know, or it, it it just needs again a holistic thought. You know I, I think that for too long each league's been out for its own ends, if you like, uh, and I don't think that's done anybody any good. No, but it's it's trying to find the the, the way to cut through, and I think I think the Premiership's going to have a big realignment over the next year or so. Um, you know, I was mentioning the Chiefs. The attendances over the next few weeks for, for Premiership are not going to be high, and yet players are still going to be demanding salaries. Clubs are still going to have a salary cap that's going up next year, and it has to be paid for somehow. And eventually, a big chunk of that comes from Twickenham, and they say, "Well, we need to sell out our stadium." And it, it becomes this this whole circle of, "Well, we have to keep doing what we've always done to get what we've always got." It's a massive season, I think, for, for the Premiership. I think you know, going back to what you were talking about before. You know, ten sides or whatever. There's, there's obviously negatives around that, but actually, I think, I think you have to look at the positives and say, look, it really is a season to give it a go because rugby needs, you know, all the positive attention you can get. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm excited for the Chiefs. I, I, I keep going, Russ Toomey and, and Lewis Pearson, the second row combo. I'm really excited to see those boys play. And it's great, but why did they start the Prem now? Why we, we're in World Cup stage still? What, what? <laughs> they, they can't be playing in September point, next year. Yeah. <laughs> Flipping but there's heck. only ten sides, so we've got so many less, and we've yeah, moved the season before. Yeah, but you've got Europe in, in in and around it all. You've got yeah, internationals that Europe, come again. Yeah, autumn internationals. Mate, there's, there's no there's no more time. There is no more time for them and to be you, able to get people rest. And you've got a limited rest. number of games that the guys can play as well. So you've got to yeah, fit it in that time. You've got to fit everything in, and otherwise we'll be ended up finishing in August and starting at the end. I of wouldn't August. mind that. I'd like rugby to go on forever. And it's good you, to get. Yeah, Sarri's... but you're not playing it. <laughs> yeah. You want it to go on forever, but you're not playing it, pal. <laughs> like, yeah, you need some rest. Yeah. <laughs> what about family time and all that? <laughs> Flipping heck. Rugby comes first. <laughs> Yeah, family are important, but rugby's important to... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Flip and, and then obviously the, the other thing with the Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations that we should quickly touch on before before we wrap up. Um, uh, there's been a lot of people saying about the Rugby World Cup has been magnificent and some of the teams are just starting to hit their straps. You know, Samoa, first time they've had their group of players together and they put on that gargantuan performance against England and, and it would be lovely to give them another game, see how they go. Tonga, similar story. 
they'd, they'd got together, they'd had their time and they're just starting to build into it and now that's it, they're done, they're going home and they're not going to have that time together again. Wouldn't it have been lovely to have had uh, a, a, a bowl competition for the teams that didn't finish top top two in the pool to carry on playing? Rob Kitson. Well, I think that's not a bad idea and I think if you did it well, uh, so it, 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 they're going to expand the tournament next, next time to 24 teams. So, okay, that's six pools of four. That means you only have three pool games. Well, three pool games isn't an awful lot if you've come all the way from Uruguay or Chile or wherever it is. So I think you'd be you'd be likely likely to play in a in a shield or a bowl tournament. Uh, you, you wouldn't have to have it in the big big uh, stadiums, but you could have it on the midweek evenings when there isn't any rugby. You you fill the gaps in the calendar, and it, and it works in theory for everybody. I can see there's one well, or two. I'll tell you what, I'm going to rob him. I'm going to interrupt because Coxie's looking a bit nervous just about the sheer volume of games. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Coxie, get off the fence. Do it, girl. You can do this. Referees would love it. Referees would love it. Oh, would we? <laughs> um, I, it's difficult because I, I, I don't know, like how we, you've never played in a World Cup. You, Ian, you've never played in a World Cup. I've been involved and I've never played in a World Cup, but I've been involved as a referee in a World Cup. There are hard work. There are hard work. You, you. Have... Oh, I did the under twenty ones World Cup, and I'll be honest. At the end, I was quite happy to go home. Exactly. So you, you've got to get this balance of, yes, people want to see more games. Yes, we think it's a great idea. But is that the right thing for the players? Is that the right thing that when you are in that bubble to then force in more, more games and have a shield? It's it, like by the time you get to the latter stages, you, you're looking at it and you think, this has been like this has been hard work. This has gone on for a long time now. They've been away from families. They've been away from friends. It, it's difficult. It's really hard work being in that in that environment. So I'm not necessarily sure the, that the top tier nations can do it. Are you saying that the the the, the smaller nations don't have the, the the wherewithal or the resource or? No, no. I'm just I'm just saying. Like, and I go back to my original point. World Cups are about whether you can last durations of things. And regardless of whether you're tier one, tier two, what whatever it is, it's about teams being able to last it and have the quality of play to last it. The off-field stuff is just as punishing as the on-field stuff. And again, I go back to the family side of things, being away all the time, being in different environments, having to move around a country. That's hard work. So by the time you get to those latter stages, there are probably going to be people that would like to go home. And you go, OK, we've done our bit. We've 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 done everything that we could. Now, I think the concept of it absolutely, I think, is is a really lovely concept, and I think it'd be lovely to to have that competition again because you, you see sort of maybe closer matches with some of the teams. But we've got to look at welfare, and we've got to look at uh, whether that's what the players want, not just us these... as punters. Well, hang you've got on, up hang and on, coming on. referees, though, haven't you? So you've got the up and coming referees. We just said we're really unlucky. In, 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 Rob, you're on the floor. You've spoken to some of the emerging nations. Yeah, what, Would they want to progress? What do you think, Rob? What does what does it look like that side? Well, I think it's I think it's really interesting because it, you know we've been here. I've been here five and a half weeks, and we've only just we haven't had a knockout game yet, uh, and it's way too long. The tournament is way too long as it is. So you, you, I, I would personally say you need to restructure it as i say if you make it six pools of four 24 teams that means there are only three everybody's got three pool games it's it's over in three weekends uh and so you haven't got I, i'm with you you don't want to string it out uh too much but equally there have been so many lulls in the tournament and, and, and you've got to mark it's about yes it's about you've got to look after the players of course you have but how but these these countries they want more competitive games they don't want to get thrashed by 90 points by new zealand endlessly after in week five they want to have a really good, tight, competitive game that they might win something. 
in in you know in in those first three or four games. I, th- I don't think they're getting the experience some of these sides that they could be getting from the World Cup. I, I I agree with the experience side of stuff. I'm not sure World Cup is the place to do it. I think the the point is probably around what happens with the global calendar and how that's structured. And I think it goes back to your points as well as that. I think Rob raises a really good point. Putting games of tier one nations into the, the country so yeah. like Portugal I think that's a that's a really great point and moving these around a little bit to try and capture different demographics now you you go back to the point well if you feel Twickenham Twickenham makes money it then pays for the stadium it pays for the community game it pays for people's jobs and then it goes around in that cycle again but I think you're right is it is that not necessarily the World Cup is the place to start putting in more games. I think that should be where you're you're, um, sort of marketing the the fact that they've had the right amount of games in the lead up to that. And I think it's about what foundations we put in place and how we support that World Cup, not then trying to do it and shoehorn it into a World Cup because that is the pinnacle. That is where you should be at your very best. What's been really interesting about this is just when you start... People can jump on social media and go, we need to have more games. But then when you actually dig into it and you start to understand it and Rob said, you know, Rob's over there, he's got the fatigue. I remember I remember on the 21s tour, it's simple things like if you're living in a hotel for six weeks, washing your clothes, you've got to have yep. a laundry master that's doing it all and the chef's cooking your food and you start and then the someone same loses, food every day. And, and you lose five pairs of underwear yeah. and four socks and, 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 and these, you're like, oh, now... <laughs> but, but those things can become a problem because you're not in the routine that you'd have in your normal domicile. So I get exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. So, so it's about putting foundations in place before these tournaments and so that when you get into these tournaments, you're playing the good spectacles of rugby because that's where the focus is I don't think by putting more games in and elongating this even more is going to be the answer to rugby's woes okay well look I think that that's pretty much um, us for two locks and a cox coxie that was a fantastic little monologue Rob Kitson <laughs> thank you very much for joining us Ian Dunstan thank you very much for being amongst us uh, final point Plymouth Albion I said that they were going to beat Sale they did they play Cinderford this weekend if they beat them they are odds on to get promotion He's to the championship going for it, isn't I'm, he? I'm gunning for them because I'm, I'm a big Devon fan and I think they could do well you are aren't but you? I think that's us Rob thank you very much Ian thank you very much Sarah thank you very much Two Locks and a Cox signing out Two Locks and a Cox from Devon's Radio X